Oh, gosh. Well, some technical difficulties there right off the bat. It always helps to have the microphone plugged in it does. on a podcast. So, tonight we are talking about Rosemary's Baby from 1968, and we're also talking about Hereditary from 2018. So, I guess you could even say this is like two generations apart of movies, yes. 50 years apart, but... We both love scary movies. These are really good horror movies. Um, these were Mr. Marvin's pick from last time, so I can't take credit for that. <laughs> it was his suggestion, so if this is a great podcast, he gets all the credit tonight. Yes. So, <laughs> um, We're going to give you our synopsis of both movies, and then we're going to be hitting these categories. We'll be talking about and, and grading the cast, the setting, which is very different for both movies. The aspect of psychological horror of the two movies. The neighbors or the friends who kind of pull them into the cult. So, um, and then our overall score. And I, and I like what we're doing now with the letter grades. Because oh, I don't feel so tied to the math of the averages mm-hmm. like we were in season one. So... I'm going to go ahead and get started here talking about Rosemary's Baby. Rosemary's Baby is from 1968, um, a movie directed by Roman Polanski, which if you know anything about his background, he fled the country. He admitted to having sex with a 13-year-old girl and all of this, and people have defended him over the years. People have raked him over the coals over the years. That is absolutely nothing that we condone here in our podcast. Um, We are going to be looking at the movie and speaking about his direction solely from an artist's point of view. I mean, he is a repugnant human being, so... Yes, absolutely. we, uh, We will definitely keep that in mind as we're talking about this tonight. But Rosemary's Baby is the story of two newlyweds, Rosemary and Guy who uh, at the very beginning are looking at this apartment, being led around here. Guy is an actor, kind of a struggling actor. He's done two plays, I think they say a number of Mm -hmm. times. Two plays and TV commercials, that's the big thing. He's the Yamaha motorcycle guy on the local New York uh, commercials. So they take this apartment they get to know some of their neighbors rosemary is doing laundry down in the basement meets a girl named terry and um they make friends with this older couple who lives next door um they start to get more involved in their life they're they're the nosy old kind of oh what are you guys doing oh we brought you something over oh you know and then all of a sudden things start to turn a little bit differently and guy gets sucked into the to the older couple and they want to have a baby and we find out later on that it is the spawn of Satan mm-hmm. <laughs> that guy has made a deal with these with these Satan worshipers and pimped his wife out for yep. lack of a better yep. word yep. for his own personal success. So he is talking about repugnant human beings. I mean, I think right up there. John Cassavetes is a good actor, but he is probably the worst husband yes. in <laughs> cinematic history. So um, the story goes on. It goes through her pregnancy, some of the things that they deal with. We'll talk about that a little more as we get into things. But 
Um, the baby is born at the end, and the the satanic cult takes him, and he is. I mean, the ending is a major twist. I mean, I don't. It's not really a twist. I mean, you see samplings of it coming. But, yes. But. Uh, um, and then Rosemary's torn at the end. I mean, does she walk away from this? evil baby does she have this duty as a mother uh, she's kind of torn at the end so Mitch tell us about Hereditary oh Hereditary came out in 2018 um, directed by Ari Aster who's kind of on a heater right now mm-hmm. making some really good psychological horrors um, but Hereditary uh, takes place with the Graham family uh, with mother Annie and father Steve uh, and their two children uh, son Peter and daughter Charlie um, the beginning of the movie shows us the matriarch, uh, Annie's mother, passing away, and it's her funeral, and, and the family is kind of dealing with that going on. Uh, and then as the movie continues, it, it's just kind of them coming off of that moment, and you just start to pick up on pieces of things aren't quite right, mm-hmm. things are off, um, you, you got some just some, some weird happenings, uh, and then pretty big moment, Peter takes his little sister Charlie to a party because uh, Annie makes him. While she's at the party, she has a really bad nut allergy. Uh, she eats some peanuts in a, in a brownie on accident. He's trying to get her home and has to swerve to miss a deer and decapitates her on a pole. Mm. Um, and so that, that becomes the next crucial piece of this continuing kind of eeriness of things going on. There's symbols. Uh, you, you can tell there's something off surrounding this family. And as we come to find out, what's happening was the, the grandmother was a part of a cult. A cult trying to bring into this world Paimon, which is one of the eight gods of hell. Um, and is this cult is trying to bring him into existence um, by giving him a, a human host. And the whole point of all this was the human host had to be a boy. And so through the story, we find out that the grandma couldn't get her hands on Peter when he was born because the mother had, they had a bad relationship, so she wouldn't let him near, let her near Peter. Um, And so instead, they mended their relationship, and she began that process on Charlie, the daughter, however, knowing that it always had to make its way back to Peter. Mm -hmm. Um, And so through the movie, it's this cult trying to get their, their, their grips on and get things in the right position and setting it up. So that in the end, we get this really dramatic 20-minute little burst of the cult trying to finalize its ritual of getting payment into Peter's body. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mother coming to the realization of everything that's going on and trying to stop it. Uh, and, and we get this really cool, really creepy ending of success from the cult yes of them yes. being able to get payment into peter's body peter becoming the leader of this cult um and yeah throughout it's just it, it's a lot of a creepy there's no jump scares it's a lot of psychological horror it's a lot of just things you're trying to think through and symbolism you're trying to pick where like where did that come from okay i know that's important where was that what does that symbol mean mm-hmm. um and so yeah, it makes for a really cool movie. That, yeah, lots that, of foreshadowing, lots, lots of, of Easter eggs that on repeated viewing you catch more and more of that each time, I'd say. It's a great movie to watch yeah. multiple times. And I don't think that of a lot of movies, but no, because of no. the amount of things you pick out, like my second and third time watching this, I was like, Oh my gosh, there's the cult symbol mm-hmm. on the pole where the where Charlie gets her head taken off. And, right, right. Um and, and just this idea of you, you 
you catch up on a lot of those things and notice how much they were actually telling you in the beginning of the movie about mm-hmm. the end. Mm-hmm. So that's hereditary. Um, first category. I'll start off. Are you okay flip-flopping categories? Cause, Absolutely. Because I think sometimes when one of us goes first each time, it doesn't leave the other one a whole lot to talk about. So True. We're going to take turns on this. I'll start with the cast of okay. Rosemary's Baby. Um, Rosemary is played by Mia Farrow, who at the time was married to Frank Sinatra, who divorced her while she was filming this movie. Didn't know that Crazy. Piece. So she... I kind of had a little crush on her as I was watching this beautiful woman, very, I mean, very innocent looking at the beginning of the Mm -hmm. movie. I mean, they put her in these flowery dresses, they put her in pigtails, and then after she gets pregnant, then you see this... I mean, the makeup wasn't great, but it, it did its job. Yeah, definitely. Did she its looked job. horrible. Yes. And then she gets the fashionable haircut. Yes. I don't know what you thought of that haircut. I kind of like a short haircut. I didn't like mind that. it. I thought it looked really good on her, but in the movie, her husband is like yes. he hates it. I thought know? it was. I think it's a good look. I also think it made for in the movie. A lot of unintentional comedy. The amount of people who go out of their way to tell her how terrible she looks. Yes. I was yes. like, oh my gosh, like it's they just beat her over the head about her haircut. Right. Um, but right. I'm with you. I'm like, ah, what are you guys talking about? It's not a bad look. But I think that whole reaction of her husband played into the misogynistic yeah. idea of, you know, I want this little young looking wife yes. and she doesn't look like that anymore she looks more grown up she looks more like an adult woman yes. where I wanted her in the pigtails and the little flowery dress yes. and it's like um, and that brings me to Guy her husband um, kind of playful at the beginning but I mean it doesn't take him long to get into this cult into the evil that he manages to do and He's a pretty repugnant person. Yes, I mean, he is. I, and he plays it well. He does. He John well. uh, John Cassavetes went on to direct a lot of things and be in a lot of movies. So I mean, he played that part pretty well. Minnie, the next door neighbor, Ruth Gordon, she won an Oscar for that role. Um, just that loud, obnoxious Brooklyn accent yep, where she's just like, how are you kids doing tonight? You know, it's just, you just, you hear her coming and, and there's a couple scenes where, where Guy answers the door and Rosemary's like, don't, don't let her in, don't let her in, please, just not tonight, I can't deal with her. It's just, yes. she played that part very well. Roman, her husband, who is the leader of the cult, who is the son of, uh, Another leader of another coven. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's the right word. I hope never to know the exactly yeah, right. right? Um, their old friend Hutch, who is their old landlord, um, Laura Louise, who kind of comes in and <laughs> brings her knitting needles and plops down. I, that woman, I love that character. Doctor Saperstein. So if you know any eighties movies, he played. Um, Randolph Duke and trading places with Dan Aykroyd and and Eddie Murphy. And then you got Dr. Hill. So, I mean, there's this crazy big cast of characters. And so many of these, like, cult members I knew from, like, really like Little House on the Prairie and the Andy Griffith show. I mean, very wholesome characters that I knew them from. And then they step in and they're like, hey, we worship Satan. You know, it's like this whole 
return of these actors. So I mean, they made they made that really interesting for me. So I mean, that's a great big cast of characters that I thought they did a a good job of casting, a good job of of putting people in what you didn't expect these actors or roles that you didn't expect the actors to be in. So I gave I gave the cast of Rosemary's Baby an A. Um the cast of Hereditary, there are some huge huge hitters in that cast. I love Tony Collette as Annie. As the mother, mm-hmm. she is fantastic. I love Alex Wolf even more as the son, Peter. I think um, Millie Shapiro, who played Charlie, I hate to say that they chose her for her looks and her face, but I think they absolutely they had to. Yeah, they I mean, definitely did. No and it's good casting. Those three are are great in the movie. The rest. I, it's just a lot of forgettable parts there. So I I don't feel like the cast is as strong. I gave the cast of Hereditary a B plus, which pains me because those three I really, really loved. And then you got Gabriel Byrne who's who's who does a great job. I love him. Um Ann Dowd who plays Joan. And then, you know, Peter's friends or the people at the party. It could have just been any actors. Very forgettable parts and roles so i mean so a for me for rosemary's baby b plus how about the cast for you mitch for me i'll start with uh rosemary's baby um like you did um go in the same order the cast i really liked um you hit on a lot of it mia farrow awesome um i thought she did a great job she was cast really well because of the like you said, the the innocent look that then transitioned really well. It told the story through the movie just by her looks. Mm-hmm. When she starts to fall apart in the beginning of her pregnancy and get really ill. Sure. Um, and it kind of seems to be making a comment. I just, she did a really good job. Um, and then John, you're going to have to say the last Cassavetes. Cassavetes. Um, like you said, I thought he did a good job of, and we talk about this a lot, I feel like, which is how well do you show... The, trans, the psychological transition of a, of a character. Mm-hmm. And I thought he did an incredible job of, in the beginning, being this very loving husband who's a little a little absent from his acting career, um, but addresses it and is like, oh, I want to give you more time. Da, da, da. Right. And then as the movie goes on, you just see these glimpses in the middle of like, oh, that's kind of a red flag, but like, okay, let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. And then that's all, a good word. I yeah. like that. Yes. And then all the way to the end... Where now he's full-blown bad guy. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, this is not a good dude. He clearly sold out. Um, for his own professional for his own, success. Yes. yes. And he even tries to spin it as a positive at the yeah. end to her. We'll get to be in California yeah. and we'll have the swimming pool. And, you know, it's like, you know, this was all worth it. No. Well, it was yeah. selfish. It was a selfish move. Mm-hmm. I differ from you, though, on the side cast. Because Ruth Gordon, Minnie, yes. I did not like that character. And not for the reason I was not supposed to. Okay. Um, I understand she's a dislikable character. And usually I favor those characters. Because sure. I think it's a fun talent to be able to make people dislike you. I did not, like, her, a lot of the, like, I, I don't know how to describe it. One, dialogue, so it's not really her fault. A lot of the things, the undescript, um, just her conversations I did not like. Um, 
I did find her abrasive, but I think that was definitely the point. Mm-hmm. I also thought she was way over the top for this movie of like, when we're going to compare the movies of Psychological later, the I thought it was pretty clear that she was up to something right away. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it would have been more fun if that was a more subtly played of, we are good neighbors, we're just good people. And almost, not necessarily immediately, immediately you do kind of get the vibe of like, oh, they're just friendly older people. Sure. Pretty quickly, though, you catch on to they're way too involved and way too nosy and oh, way yeah. too invested. Well, and you hear the chanting from yes. next door through the We're, through the shared wall. Yes. So it definitely wasn't directed to be more subtle. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing she was doing what she was directed, but I still, I'm going to yeah. hold it against her in this category because this is where I get to. Mm-hmm. Um, of that part, I just didn't like um, who played Sidney Blackmer. Yes. Mm-hmm. I liked him more. Uh, I thought he was a really cool character. I thought he portrayed the genuine... English, not my strong point. Genuine genuity? He's more genuine. There you go. Let's go with that. Let's keep it simple. I'm a math person. Words, (laughs) not my thing. He's a more genuine portrayal of what they're after, uh, in my opinion, or at least what I would have liked them to be after, which Mm -hmm. is... He did just seem like a really good guy. A really, hey, I want to talk to you. Hey, come up to my place. We'll have dinner... I bought that from him more. I liked him more. Um, so overall, I thought they were good. I have my complaint about Ruth Gordon, and that's about that's about where my line is. I would say everything outside of um, Mia Farrow, John Cassavetes, and Sidney Blackmer, I give the same critique you gave to Hereditary. Outside of those, I kind of thought, I was like, eh. All right, the rest of you were there. Yeah. Didn't really stand out to me. Sure. Uh, all that being said... I thought the ones who, the Mia Farrow and John Casavetes were so good at what they did and were pretty solid, minus my one critique, which was there's a couple conversations I really hated watching because I thought the dialogue was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, her first meeting with the young woman in the laundry room in the beginning oh, yeah. has some of the clunkiest, weirdest dialogue between them. Yeah. And I was like, ugh, took me yeah. out of it. I was like, that's not comfortable. That's not how they would have, in my eyes, that's not how a conversation mm-hmm. goes. Um, but outside of those couple of glimpses, crushed it. I really liked this cast. I gave them an A minus. Okay. Um, now over on the other side of things, Hereditary. Alex Wolf. I don't remember where I saw him previous to this or what I had in my mind. I feel yeah. like he was in some show. It was like an MTV show or something. Okay. Something that's not high quality. Yeah. Something that's pretty dumb entertainment. And so when I saw him in this movie, my first thing was. It's a weird pick, because um, I know he's done some smaller things, and he's done MTV and some of that stuff that I would call kind of like mindless garbage. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. He is my favorite part of this movie. I thought he absolutely crushed the terror and the the just the mind-bendingness of like, you can, his... You can see it in his eyes and his conversation and his demeanor, mm-hmm. the the fear and the feeling of just like uneasiness and, and when he feels like he's being tormented. Yeah. I thought he crushed it. Oh, yeah. The other piece yeah. he, I give him a ton of credit for, and Tony Collette is, the interaction between those two as uh, mother-son, yeah. son who... Especially the dinner the scene. The dinner scene. Oh, my gosh. Where I mean, they're talking about... Uh, Charlie dying is yes. awesome yeah. because I thought they both crushed the intensity yeah. mm-hmm. and that scene you are like physically uncomfortable because you feel like you're in that and you're like oh my yeah, gosh you feel like you're at the table scene. and you just want to yeah crawl yes. away and yeah so I give him a lot of credit there uh, another big big piece Tony Collette's awesome mm-hmm. Tony Collette plays um, 
plays the crazy really well. Plays the intense when it needs to be, and the somber and distraught when it needs to be. I thought she did a well balanced. She she balanced that really well. and then Millie Shapiro, I'm with you, I thought was definitely was cast because of the way she looked and that's mm-hmm. what they needed. But I also thought she did a really, really creepy job. Oh gosh, yeah. The clicking, I mean, the... Oh man, the tongue clicking. The tongue and, clicking. And when she's having a hard time breathing in the back seat, I mean, I felt my pulse quicken. Yes, and it's uh, just the believability yeah, of it. It was like, yeah. it, it made you really dive into this, like you've, you were engulfed mm-hmm. in the scene. You're like, I'm yep. there. Nothing's breaking this for me. Those three, I thought were incredible. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Yeah. Um, Gabriel Byrne, just thought he didn't have a lot to do. Yeah. I think he's good. Yeah. I thought he did his job really well. Mm-hmm. Played the uh, played the father figure well and kind of the, the the calming influence, the rock of the family. The calming kind of, yeah. piece. The this is all chaos. You need to knock right. it off. The we are okay. We're yep. not going to play the blame game on it. Just uh-huh. always the center. Yeah. He crushed it. Yeah. Now in the end, I've taken care of dinner already. I made it. Yes. You know those kinds of just subtle things. He yeah. did it really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but it still wasn't a lot to work with. But no. what he did have was awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I will agree with you. Outside of that, nothing's really a home run. However, I didn't want anything outside of that to be a home run. Yeah. I loved how the focus was on the family and the family alone at almost all times. Sure. And when we talk about setting, I think that plays into yes. them living out in the country. The isolationist side of it. Yep, yeah. that's definitely yeah. a big conversation. But mm-hmm. as far as storytelling, I just loved the side of like these people, it's these four and that's who you care about and that's who we're paying attention to. And then I would argue, I thought the tertiary characters and Dowd who played uh, Joanne. Joni. Uh, or Joni, sorry. Yeah. Joni. Uh... I thought she was awesome uh, because it was a limited role and she didn't steal the show. She did her job. Yeah. Kind of like you said, it was blah, but mm-hmm. I liked that it was blah. Yeah. It also made things unsuspecting. Yeah. That was my critique of many was I like in this one, I really had no idea where this was going. No, she slid into Annie's life very unassuming yep. and was like... And, yeah. and I give a lot of credit to the acting of not being over the top, of not... Just kind of really feeling like a side mm-hmm. character that it should yep. have been because it kept you guessing. You're like, oh, this person's really nice. But that's a great character actor. That's a great right character there. actor. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so all that to be said, I went long winded there. Um, all that to be said, I liked this cast more. I thought it was uh, just a perfect balance, and the hard hitters were even better in my eyes. So I went A minus for uh, Rosemary's Baby and A plus. I. I really just don't think there's a single change I would have made yeah. here. Nice. nice. Yes, sir. Okay, setting. You want to start us off? Yes, setting. And you so, can choose either one, you, whichever one you want right. to talk about first. So. I'll go I'll go hereditary first, okay. actually. Because okay. hereditary is interesting because, like we said, the isolationist side of things of they're in Utah. Mm-hmm. They live out in the middle of the woods. Um, you don't see a lot of other people. No. When they do travel outside of their home, it still is to very low population settings mm-hmm. um, and that adds to the 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 cinematic build the it adds to the intensity it adds to the the kind of creepiness of it um, however the critique I'll make of that is I'd call that a cheap move I think that's the easy way to build sure. that idea is mm-hmm. to create isolation right, right. Um, I mean it worked it was awesome mm-hmm. it definitely was creepy all the mm-hmm. way through but 
that definitely that that was the easier way out in my opinion when you when they make movies like this is like well let's just pick an isolated family put them out in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. so there feels like there's no help yeah um but I thought the I, I thought that setting that side of the setting was cool time frame wise I'm gonna talk about time frame of Rosemary Baby here 2018 it's like nah okay that really didn't play much of an effect on it mm-hmm. um so overall I guess what I'm getting at with Hereditary is it was kind of what I expected yeah. for a setting. Mm-hmm. Not for story. That threw me off all the way through. The setting was like, oh yeah, this is the ideal psychological thriller. Put them in the middle of nowhere. They feel helpless. The couple people they interact with play tertiary roles. All that good jazz. So I thought it was what it needed to be. Mm-hmm. And nothing special more than that. So, because of that, I gave it a B-. minus. I said, it's it's good, not great. Yeah, It's something that's there. Um, one other thing I will say that was a big positive for it that kept it from going down into the C average was the use of um like the the dollhouse or the mm-hmm. they're not dollhouses the, the miniatures, the miniatures that mm-hmm. the that Annie's making. Yeah. Those were awesome. Mm-hmm. That is the one piece that I think take it above and beyond because they, they tell this really cool story kind of of what's going on around them. Sure. Um, that is the one standout to me where I was like, that part's really cool. That's a cool addition that didn't have to be there, but it definitely adds creepy factor. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll talk about later in the psychological horror side of things. It adds another factor to like why this was so creepy of of how out uncontrolled or out of control all the characters are. They can't sure. control anything around them. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I'm staying with a B minus on that setting for Rosemary's Baby. I any horror movie set in uh, New York City, I would automatically assume is a bad decision. However, it's not in this. Yeah. I give yeah. them a lot of props because this is cool. Because New York City is not a horror movie setting. No, it's but, not. But it makes it creepy because it's a cult mm-hmm. in New York City. Right under everybody's nose. Mm-hmm. The settings are heavily packed with people. There's things all around and you get that feel of like, you should be safe. Right. You should be okay. But she's not. Right. Because the next... Five people that you meet could be members of that Exactly. Cult. And yes. you never yes. know. And I thought that was mm-hmm. a really cool part of the setting. The other part that was really cool of the setting through research was the fact that um, it takes place in 66. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a reason, too, which was really cool to me to read up on. Because they don't say... Uh, they Do they hint at it in the movie? They might hint at it in the movie. I don't remember. But talking about how the uh, church was, the satanic church was founded that year, mm-hmm. and they tie it in with the idea of her baby yes. being the the beginning of right. that. Right. Um, you also in '66 have what a lot of people, at least what I was watching, I wasn't alive, but what people are talking about as like kind of the decline of morality mm-hmm. and the decline of organized religion, questioning organized yes. religion. Yes. yes, and they they even that's part of the dialogue. There is a the dinner scene. You know? They're talking about that. Roman is like. Pfft, Religion, the Pope, he's just a character, you know? Yes. His costumes and all this. And you're like, wow, you know? Because in 66, that would have been a huge deal. That would have. And it was really cool to find that all out. Because me being me, not knowing anything about that time period, when I first heard that conversation, I'm like, okay, that's just playing into the movie. Right, right. And then to find out it's not. It had Mm -hmm. to do with the setting they put the movie in. That was cool. All of that together, I think, is a really, really creative and unique horror movie setting so I give it a ton of praise. I gave it an A. I think nice. it's just really cool that they took something that shouldn't work and they made it work yeah. to their benefit. Agree with you on on both counts there, Mitch. Um, 
the the isolation in hereditary where it's you know all you have is your family to rely on and it's the family that's cursed because they're born into this family you know you can't escape this the whole idea at the end of peter lost his grandmother he lost his sister he lost his dad he lost his mom there's nothing he has left family wise except for this cult now yeah who's out here in the middle of of nowhere and you're like you know it's it's a trope it's but it it, it works in it its in, in its own way so i agree i i gave it a little higher grade than you did i gave it a b for the setting cuz i like the i like the miniatures i went back and forth so many times i'm like are the miniatures just a cool kind of visual thing that we throw in there but that opening shot where you're zooming in there and then all of a sudden the dad walks into the son's bedroom like that's a pretty cool cut they i don't know how they did it but it's it's it's, it's pretty sweet. cool it's pretty cool movie magic and just the house you know it's always kind of cloudy it's always kind of foggy that just plays into it the the charlie wanders off and there's some old lady sitting in the in the bushes and there's flames all around her and you're like what what was that, you yeah. know? The writing on the wall. I, I wrote every one of those words down because I'm like, what does that mean? What does they that mean? never answer that <laughs> no. question. That's so that ambiguity, but that ambiguity can work in some instances. I don't know if it works really well here, but yeah. I mean... They throw diff- They throw a lot of things against the wall to and hope a lot of things stick. Some of them do in Hereditary. Yes. Some of them don't. But I gave it a B. Um, Rosemary's Baby. I'm right with you there. Um, New York City. All those people. That scene of her walking in front of traffic. Mm-hmm. That I mean, was a real. That was a real. They street. really did it, <laughs> yeah. and none of the cameramen would do it. They're like, "Oh my gosh, you're you're not going to stop traffic? No, we're just going to have her walk in front of this." New York City traffic, they won't hit a pregnant woman. And Roman Polanski was the only one who would hold a camera and do it. Yep. So it was like, and they shot it like three different times. That's, I think I, I read. saw that like, too. There were wow. multiple shots. But the one thing I think that works for both of those, the way they shot a lot of those scenes in Hereditary, it was faraway shots where you got two or three or four members of the family where you're kind of a spectator looking at them in rosemary's baby a lot of close-up shots a lot of framing like i'm in the next room and i'm kind of peeking at what guy's doing in the kitchen Mm -hmm. or i'm looking at through the keyhole you know a lot of that uh point of view from the character you get a lot of that from from rosemary too so i'm with you on that one um evil all around i'm like okay was dr hill part of that cult or was he just chalking it up you know who who's the next person they just keep welcoming people in at the end and you're like who is this rando (laughs) he doesn't look oh everybody's welcome here in the church of satan you know like wow so i gave rosemary's baby an a also because like you said the the building the building the overhead shots at the beginning the lullaby that she's singing Mm -hmm. at the beginning and at the end it's just you're like okay and the pink the pink uh titles too it's like this is going to be some like sweet little motherly story but 
True story about that building. That's where John Lennon got shot outside that building in 1980. Didn't know that one either. So, yeah, crazy. So, I gave it an A also. Um, Psychological horror. I'm going to start with Rosemary's Baby here. Um, I kind of alluded to it in the last category. A lot of things, a lot of ways that the movie is shot and the movie is, the actors are staged is to get us to identify a lot with Rosemary, to put us right along with her, to sympathize with her, to feel helpless like she feels helpless. She's supposed to do what her husband tells her to do. She's supposed to do what the doctor tells her to do. She is supposed to do, to eat these concoctions that the neighbor lady makes out of God knows what, snips and snails and puppy dogs fail, she says. But, you know... um, like she has no control. Like she's just playing the dutiful wife, the dutiful neighbor, the dutiful friend, and just going along with what everybody tells her to do. And, you know, that part of the movie is dated. That's not the way that we tell women to live their lives or girls to be when you grow up to be women now. But um, the the dream sequences, I think, are just off-putting. I don't. I never figured out why... There's so much water. Why are they on these boats? Mm-hmm. I mean, why are... I, that ambiguity again. Yes, they don't answer yes. some of those questions. And uh-huh. you're like, what is happening? It, it throws trains? you off a little yes. bit. And good horror movies will throw they you do. off. They have to. So um, that whole idea we talked about of questioning, not only questioning religion, but mocking it, making yeah, fun were. of the people who believe in God at that time. You know, So I, there's a lot of things that were just, as a as a as a human being, just the gaslighting of Rosemary. Mm-hmm. I mean, just pulling her this way and that and, you know, sedating her and telling her that the baby died at the end and, you know, it's next door and she hears it crying when she turns off the air conditioning. And I gave I gave Rosemary's baby an A- minus for psychological horror. Um, for Hereditary, that whole idea of you're in this family you're born into this. There's no way you're getting out of this. Either you are going to be the one that is the embodiment of payment, or you're going to be one of those that sacrifices to bring him to it. You mm-hmm. know, and just this morning, I was I was reading something about that symbol, and it was supposed to be three heads yes, that yep. were beheaded. So yep. you had to have. Grandma was one of the beheadings. Mom was one of the beheadings. Charlie was one I of the beheadings. I just saw that today like, too, actually. Wow. <laughs> you know, either you're sacrificed to this or you are the dude here. So just that whole idea of doom and gloom and the way the house was always very dark and dreary. And they kind of did that in Rosemary's Baby, too, with the cast of Ed's apartment. Very yes. dark, dark, very dark browns and blacks and not a lot of light coming in where as soon as Guy and Rosemary move into theirs, they paint everything white and yellow, you know, to brighten things up. So, I mean, there's a good use of color in Rosemary's Baby, too. Absolutely. Um, That whole idea of lure of power, I think, of we're going to do this where Grandma died and now Joni is the new leader of the cult. And they're always kind of... We said that before. They're always kind of pulling the strings of what's going on here. There, you know, the symbol on the on the power pole there of like, 
they they were manipulating what what's going on here because mm-hmm. I'm like why if this girl has such a severe nut allergy allergy why does she not have an EpiPen with her every second of the day and like, I get it you know twice in the movie they yes, do it yes. the funeral yes and the party they yes. forget to bring an EpiPen yes. which made me laugh it's like okay she has a deadly allergy yes that you shouldn't <laughs> forget it twice right right and. It, I get it. Horror movies, you have to have dumb decisions, but of like, you have to. come on. <laughs> yeah, that seems easy. The um, dad, the dad's, he's not an MD. He's a psychiatrist, isn't he? That's the way that I took it. That sounds right. That's it the way I took it. Because he was emailing one of his colleagues about his wife mm-hmm. and her, and so I, that's what made me think. But I'd say this family is just, they're not anti-religion, they're just kind of apathetic yeah. you know it's just like it's not it's not a part of their they're very lives. agnostic yeah, yeah. just like meh yeah. we don't know so I mean this is one where I gave I gave Hereditary an A for this one I gave it a higher grade than Rosemary's Baby so fair I'm just gonna come out right before I say my explanations we uh we agree mm-hmm. <laughs> to a T on this one I'm not... um psychological on Rosemary's Baby so one this is more personal preference, but it definitely always gets me a little bit more. Being a religious person, mm-hmm. these are the scariest movies. To oh me. yes, um, yeah. Being being a the Christian fact, and being the fact that these things and these people exist exist yeah. that there are yeah. Satanists and these things. This is the the terrifying side of it. But being that it's not so far fetched in a way because religion. I mean, uh, I'll speak on. Looking at religion in the past, there's stories of this type of stuff, possession, all of this. Um, and however you take that, it, it does hit a sense of realty to me. And then again, my personal belief being the when it's the opposition of that, it's just more terrifying. So when you bring in Satanist, I'm like, oh gosh, this is automatically going to be mm-hmm. psychologically scarier. Now, on a paper and pencil psychological horror, my one big critique of Rosemary's Baby is, and I've already hit on it, but it, it definitely plays into this category – was I felt like it, while it's not completely predictable, it is still a little bit. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of get a feel for certain people who you don't trust. Sure. Um, and you get the idea that something's up right away, and you kind of you get the idea of the direction. Uh, the chanting in the beginning to me is like a big dead giveaway. I was yeah. like, you almost didn't need that part to come right no. out and be like, hey, no. there's a cult next door. Mm-hmm. They might as well have brought you over a pamphlet after their meeting. Yeah. <laughs> um, but on the other side, the positive side... It is terrifying the point of view they put it through where it's Rosemary and I read or I was listening to something this morning where they talked about the idea was we're not going to show anything supernatural because we want you to be questioning the entire time if this is in fact something or if she actually is crazy. Mm -hmm. And I 100% agree with that. Come the end, I was like, maybe not. Yeah. Like, I mean, you, you have an idea, and again, it being an old movie and me watching a lot of, like, YouTube videos on movies, I know sure. how it's going to end, but I could definitely see it where, like, there's a chance that none of this is real, mm-hmm. and she is actually just going through something. Sure. And I thought they crushed it at that, because that's a terrifying view to watch a movie from as a viewer, is like, I don't know either. I don't know. Like, yeah. I'm right yeah. here with you. Here we go. Um, two is like we talked about the setting plays a huge role into this, but the fact that it felt like she could trust nobody mm-hmm. that is isolationist. And then to put that in New York city, yeah, to she create. had Hutch yes. until he was in the coma and died because they stole his, they glove. Stole his glove and put a curse on him. <laughs> Dude, 
It's they created the isolation terror in a highly populated in the, area. In the largest city in the United States. That yeah. is scary. <laughs> that is crazy and so well done. Yeah. So I did like that. Um, I also liked. I, I mean, they did do a pretty good job of the little things throughout. You get the the necklace. You get the pictures that were taken down the first time she goes over there mm-hmm. and she notices that there's something's missing from the wall and later she sneaks in and they're up and you're like, whoa, those are terrifying paintings. Yeah. Um, I thought they did, they, they really did do a pretty good job of still keeping it ambiguous, keeping you guessing. And then I think the biggest positive was the point of view they put you in definitely made your heart race. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that aside, I dinged it a little bit. I gave it an A minus. I agreed with you on that. Yeah. Psychological horror and hereditary. I love this movie for this aspect. The foreshadowing, the little pieces where you know something is off, but you have no idea. The first time I watched this movie, I remember about a little over halfway through the movie, still not having any clue what this movie is supposed to be about. The trailer didn't tell you anything. Yeah. The movie is so kind of like it's all over the place. You're dealing with the death of the mother, then the death of the daughter, some creepy things. Because is it a family drama or is it a horror movie? Is it a psychological thriller? I mean, it does bounce around between. And if I remember correctly, because I didn't watch this trailer recently, Mm -hmm. the trailer didn't tell you it was a horror movie at all. They just made it. They made it feel creepy. Mm -hmm. But you could have done that with family drama. Sure. There could be some off aspects. Um, and then they misled with who the main character is. Um, but you seriously don't know. You just know something is off. And that feeling to me is very un- unnerving. Mm-hmm. Of like something's up, but I seriously, I can't even put my finger on where, where this is going. Yeah, because in my notes, I wrote down right at the very beginning of watching this the first time. Um, a movie from 1980, Ordinary People, about... Mm-hmm. A family who loses a son and what the other son goes through and the husband and wife start getting farther and farther apart in their marriage. Ordinary people, I wrote. This is a spookier ordinary people because I was like... That's, yeah. You know, it's... It is. The other thing was the, the use in the intro of, like I said, the way they made things so creepy is... They just did little random things. Charlie at the funeral, staring at the casket, and then looks over her shoulder, and there's a guy just smiling at her. And you're like, okay, that's not so ominous that it's a giant red flag, mm-hmm. but I'm very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Was he a pedophile? Yeah. Was he... Was he... What, what's his motive? Why is yeah. he... He's clearly looking at her, and he's just smiling. And you're right. like, maybe he's just like, hey, sweetheart, mm-hmm. I'm here. Like, your your grand... Maybe it's comfort. Right. But also you're like, but there's that tinge of that yeah, smile that's there. Like, that's <laughs> uncomfy, dude. Um, and you get a lot of that. You get the... Uh, the, the big one for me, and I've, I've kind of used this word, and I'm going to go into it now, the foreshadowing. The beginning classroom scene, and they're talking about, I can't remember what book they're talking yeah, about, yeah, but they but, come to the conclusion of, it's scarier because they have no control of their outcome. Mm-hmm. They have no control, therefore, it is what it is. Yeah. And at the moment you watch it the first time, you go, okay, this is just a classroom scene. Because they don't put it No, it never is. It never is. (laughs) If there's a teacher teaching something that you hear in a movie, it has some meaning. (laughs) It did. And in this case, it did. Because, like you said, the the symbol on the pole, the the miniatures, it all gave this very, very big idea of, like, they are not in control of any of this. And they have no say. And like you said... The cult is... 
is steering what's going on it's, right here. It's yeah. all controlled, and they're just yeah. lost, and that adds that sense of terror of mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, they can't do anything. And like you said, you either lose your head, or you take payment. Yep. Yeah. Either way. Uh, <laughs> terrifying yeah uh so there's all those uh there's also on the rewatch when you like slow things down or you like rewatch it when they first get back from the funeral you can hear footsteps upstairs Mm -hmm. in a door slam um it all the cut scenes outside of the house when it's nighttime there's actually people down below the rocks yeah and they're standing in between the the trees yes in shadows yeah so not only does this movie do a great job to a new viewer of the psychological, the face value scary stuff of like this cult and the beheadings and and the the grandma being involved with all these people and all these people Mm -hmm. being on her team. That's the first watch value. It also has the second watch horror of Mm -hmm. like when Annie reaches for the paint and it knocks over onto the phone number. Yeah. You rewatch it. She doesn't even touch it. No, it It gets knocked over on its own. And it's like, to me, my last praise is... That is just so incredible to me that you can make a movie that scares the crap out of you the first time, and then you rewatch it and it's still that scary because mm-hmm. you find new things, new things to be scared of. Because yeah. of that, I gave the psychological side of this movie an A plus. Yeah, nice, nice. Which brings us to Friends, um, and I think it's me, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I yes. Say I just Go ahead. That one. Go ahead. Friends. Uh, I'll keep mine pretty short here because I've already talked about most of it. I thought the Friends in. Um, Rosemary's Baby, the one that pops into my head, like the one that just stands out to me, is it Minnie? Is that where? Yes. Minnie. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm bad with names. And I just didn't love it. I didn't, I, I thought she was on the nose. Um, I thought her husband was awesome. I thought he got genuine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just thought if there was a part of this movie, especially because they compare so well, you get this aspect in both movies. Mm-hmm. If there was a part of this movie that I thought, because so far it's all been in the A's, that hurt it. It was this side, the friend's side. Um, because the other one I didn't talk about earlier, the doctor. Uh, uh, Dr. Dr. Saperstein. Saperstein, thank mm-hmm. you. I thought he was also on the nose. Like, mm-hmm. I got an eerie vibe from him immediately. Yeah. Is he really a doctor? Yeah. Or is he just... In this... And, and I thought that was... I think he... After you kind of get past that initial fact of like, okay, I feel like this guy's off. Mm-hmm. I thought he does a good job acting-wise. But again, I think you take this part that could have made it even creepier if it just really felt genuine from the beginning. Yeah. In my eyes, it didn't feel that way. Um, and because of that, I gave this a... Uh, I'm adjusting my score on the fly here. <laughs> nope, I'm going to stay with it. I'm giving it a C plus. I just okay. wasn't impressed with this aspect. Friends and Hereditary. They were such a small role. Uh, it basically comes down to... the ones you the Basically, the only one you really meet is... And I have to tell me the name again. Joan. Jo- Joan. Joni. Joni. Yeah. Um, she's basically the only one, if I'm not mistaken, we get a really good insight into. Yeah, I mean, one of one of Peter's friends that he's smoking with under the bleachers ends up in, in the, the treehouse yes, at yes, the that's, end. Yes. Um, there's somebody else. To, oh, the dude at the funeral that you yes, mentioned. Yep, he's there. Is there in the treehouse at the end? But we don't meet them. They're no, used no. as like decorations. Right. Of like, hey, right. do you remember seeing this guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's in the attic now. Yeah. When the rituals complete, uh-huh. or when up in that treehouse when the yeah. rituals complete. Yeah. So. So because of that, I mean, they didn't use it that thoroughly, and I think it benefited them. But if we're doing this grading on that, we have Joni to go off of. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the fact that she. 
came across, like when we met her and they do the seance, I genuinely believed in what she was saying. I did. Yeah. Because at that point, I really didn't know what was going on in the movie. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know where they're trying to go with this. So I was kind of in belief. I'm like, oh, okay, they're going to communicate with Charlie and then something creepy is going to happen. That was cool to me because she played it off so well that they were actually just opening the door to get payment into the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, background character. So I do ding for that. We didn't get to meet any of the others. Rosemary's Baby, we got to meet a lot of people. And yeah. that added to the creep factor of mm-hmm. how many people are in this thing. Yeah. So I thought the one we saw was really good. I thought all the others were just kind of background characters. Kind of middle of the road. I gave it a B. I'm pretty close to where you're at. I mean, my my two scores are switched, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Um, I'll start with Rosemary's Baby. Um, it was obviously the the cast of vets were the ones who got them pulled in, and immediately the first meeting that they had with them in their apartment, they realize guy is this arrogant actor you know yeah. oh we can play on that we can get our hooks into him we can make him this offer of you can be a movie star you can move to Hollywood you don't have to do plays in New York mm-hmm. your whole life you don't have to do the Yamaha commercials <laughs> we can make you a huge star and he went okay tell me what I gotta do oh by the way you have to drug your wife and let the devil rape her and have the son of Satan. Yes. So, I yeah. mean, it's like, wow. So, I mean, that whole part uh, of them, you know, obviously at the beginning, that's what they had their sights set on with Terry. And that's why she jumped out of the building and killed herself mm-hmm. because she didn't want to have any part of that. That actress was not in the movie for very long, but I mean, Rosemary met her, got to know her, and then the next night they come home and she's laying dead on the street so you're like okay we're moving on to our next our next mark here okay it's these two right next to us we don't have anybody that we can pull off the street and do this job for us so now it's guy and rosemary we got to talk into it and boom you know we're um drugging their chocolate mousse that they bring over and you know and Go ahead. Which go is ahead. the other creepy... I will give it credit. The other creepy part to that was you can visibly see how excited Minnie gets when in the very when they're walking around the apartment the first time she comes to their apartment. Mm-hmm. She asks her about her kids. Yes. And she wants to have kids. And she goes, well, mm-hmm. that'll be our nursery. You're pregnant? No, we're gonna we're gonna be yes. trying. And yes. you can see her kind of like, oh, oh boy, you the, are. Yes. Uh-huh. Boy, so, do I have a deal for you. Yes. So I gave I gave it a higher score than you did for Rosemary's Baby. I gave that a B plus because I'm just like those little those little detail things made it kind of interesting for me. Um, Hereditary. I like Joni. I like that she, they pulled her in in a support group. I was like, this is perfect, you yeah. know, because. Annie's like not the kind of person who goes to one, but again, that cult pulls her to there and says, okay, Joni's going to do this to get her hooks into her a little bit there and then plays on her lot. You just lost a mother. You just lost a daughter. You're very vulnerable now. I'm going to show you how to connect with your daughter from beyond the grave here now. She's not dead. I can show you how to do this seance. You know, it's like... You know, I thought that was I thought that was pretty good. So. Also, quick little uh, tidbit there on that: when she sees her in the parking lot before they go do the sounds, uh-huh. 
Did you see the piece where they talk about, and I rewatched after yeah. this, where they talk about what's in the back of her car? The chalkboard, the chalkboard. at the art store. So it's all baloney. Because she says, yeah. this is my son's chalkboard. And I was like, oh, they put it right in front of our face. Yeah. And I didn't catch it the first time. I know, time. me either. But the second time, I was like, oh, she's got a chalkboard there that, that she chalkboard. just brought. That lion, you know what? So, um, so yeah, uh, what else did I write down? I can't even read my handwriting here. Oh, the one knock that I would say on this kind of part of it, uh, the second time that Annie goes to Joan's apartment and she sees the welcome mat there and she knocks and nobody's home and Anne walks away, Annie walks away, and then we get this scene to an empty apartment where there's the triangle drawn on the table. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, there's not a character here. That's that's kind of a plot hole. For yeah, me. to, to like, show you something that a character that no doesn't character, experience yeah, is kind of yeah. just like a cheap way of exposition. Yes, yes. It's almost as bad as just doing a voiceover. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I gave Hereditary a B. I gave Rosemary's Baby a B plus. I gave Hereditary a B for that. So, moving on to our overall score, Mitch. Overall I'm going to say this, because I, I like giving credit where credit's due. Um, these are now two of my favorite horror movies mm-hmm. of all time. Both of them. Yeah. They really yeah. are. I think they're master classes in psychological horror. I think anybody who's trying to make them definitely watches these movies and goes, what did they do right and how can we recreate it in our own way? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's really cool that we, and, and like I was telling you before this, I didn't even know how well these would connect when I threw out the two movie ideas because I hadn't seen Rosemary's Baby. Yep, you hit it. And they were really cool to see the comparison. And definitely, I I think there's no way Ari Aster wasn't pulling from Rosemary's Baby mm-hmm. when he wrote this. Yeah. Or when he directed this. Um, well, he wrote it also. Oh, yeah. yeah he yeah. did write the script. God, that guy's killing yep. it. He is crushing mm-hmm. it. Um, so, overalls, I do have to pick a winner. Uh, in my opinion, I don't think they were quite ready to be tied in my eyes. So I did give Hereditary an A and Rosemary's Baby an A minus. Oh man! Well. I did. I couldn't help. I just <laughs> Hereditary, and I give the precursor Jeez. I always give. Hereditary had the advantage of seeing Rosemary's Baby and years of advances in technology. Sure. So I will acknowledge that that's not a fair lean. Right. However, new movies are better. Than Which movies. doesn't make it any better. No. It actually makes it a little worse. <laughs> That's true. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm biased. See? I'm biased, but we're, we rate movies. We don't rate when they came out. You're right. You're right. Well, my scores were just exactly flip-flopped. <laughs> I gave Rosemary's Baby an A, and I gave Hereditary an A-, and it was very close. They but are. I think what, what made that decision for me, Mitch, is... Um, there were there were times that and back when I taught writing to kids for a lot of my teaching career it was always show them what you want them show to them see tell. and tell and I think a lot of things told us not a lot but a lot of things in hereditary told me of you know, well here's the mark watch out here's yeah. the mark again you know it was it was very blatant where a lot of that was more subtle in Rosemary's Baby. It was a linear kind of, you know, beginning, middle, and end. But that end of Rosemary's Baby, from the time she's in the phone booth, and mm-hmm. she's panicky, and then all of a sudden you see this guy 
with his back yeah. to her, and you're like, oh shit, is that? Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that Roman? You know, yeah. it's got to be Roman. And then it's just some random older dude, and she's like, oh gosh. She gets Doctor Hill on the phone, and she gets his help. She convinces him to help her, and then he brings Saperstein and Guy in there. It's like, oh man, it just that end. And then when she is in her, she. They chase her back to the apartment. She locks herself in. She's on the phone with somebody, and you see those two people walk by in the background. I'm like, that's good stuff. That is, that's good that's, horror it's, movies. It's a stuff. great ending. It's great horror, and they don't show you the baby. No, and which is good. Yes, that would not have aged. That well. would have been it very been cheesy. Terrible. It, all the dream stuff kind of still works because it was a dream. Yeah. You know, her floating on the bed on the water, yeah. and the goofy hands, and the and the mask, and all that. It because it was a dream, but at the very end it's like okay is she going to walk away and leave this baby to these people or is she going to stay and do her motherly duty and raise Mm -hmm. this baby because it's hers you know it's like they don't leave you and then they cut to the building and her la 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 lullaby again it's like that's creepy. You don't know. No, there was a sequel. I don't think I want to ever watch no, the sequel. Because no. I want to leave it there. That's a great ending. Like it is. Yeah. Well, and also with that, the whole not showing the baby, that was the perfect use of the opposite of what you were saying. Because mm-hmm. I agree. Show, don't tell is yeah. the number one rule, especially in horror movies because everybody yeah. likes to do the opposite. Right, right. But there, they would have been wrong to show Absolutely. and they told it in a great way mm-hmm. where she she's kind of freaking out and she goes, what's wrong with its eyes? Yeah. yeah. And you're like, oh, I don't even need to see it. I yeah. know something's up. And then they say, yeah. great line, it has its father's eyes. Right. And you're like, oh, it, that's just eerie. And it doesn't need to even be any more than no. that. You're just in your head. You're like, oh gosh, what does this baby yes. look like? Yeah, and I thought you, know? you, you are correct that that crushed it. I do have yeah. to give, I'll give see, my critique now. See, you can change your grades. Oh, I'm not changing my grade. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why I disagree. Here's my one piece. I agree with everything you said. The one thing I don't like, and it's been my week-to-week critique so far this season, it was really slow at times. Yeah. And I did forget to bring that up, and that mm-hmm. is one of... I, I will use that as my justification for the sure. overall is. It was really, really slow. It was, it's a long movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, sometimes that got a little slow, where Hereditary felt pretty quick-paced. And especially at the end. Yes. I mean, you're just getting yeah, gut-punched. Mom's in the it's attic, like, has oh. the piano wire, yes. takes her own head off, he jumps out the window, yeah. payment takes over his body, goes up in the... I mean, yeah. it's just movement, movement, Yeah, movement, it's very movement. intense at the end, yes. so... All right, so I guess we don't agree again. Well, that's fair. That's that all right. That's all right. Both great movies. Great movies. Um, we're going to do our top five here now. All right, to finish up this episode, we've got a top five this week. Um, our top five this week is movies where the bad guys win. Because in both of these movies, that was kind of the theme at yes, the end. Absolutely. So. Um, I didn't pick either one of these movies, so I picked five other movies. So. Okay, same. I didn't. Okay, good, the mix good, either. good. I well, said, I mean, I we and these two, time. these two would absolutely be pretty high on the list. But I, I always like to pick something different than what we've talked about. So, what's your number five movie, there, Mitch? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's gonna know, be good. <laughs> you know, my number five. I usually like to mess with things. Um, uh, number five, my movie where the bad guy wins is Rudy. Rudy. Yes. Rudy is a bad guy. Rudy, thank you. I was like, I hope you agree with this. 
Rudy's Sorry, Irish guy. fans. <laughs> he is. He lied in real life. He lied about the story. He used it for his own benefit. Mm-hmm. He spoke. He just is not an honest dude. And therefore, because Rudy ends at the end of the movie, Rudy. The bad guy won. So that's <laughs> I love it. Five. I love it that you got a sports movie yeah, in there too. I Fantastic. Had to shoot everything in. <laughs> My number five is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, if yeah. you've never seen it, you know Jack Nicholson comes into the mental hospital because he's scammed his way out of going to prison and going to the mental hospital. And at the very end, they nail him with shock treatment and he's a zombie and Nurse Ratchet wins and she's a great evil character in that movie so One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest how about number four number four I did not pick one of the movies we talked about but I am picking another Ari Aster movie okay Midsummer. okay Um, I need to watch that yes you and and it's kind of a little interesting to pick this year because the girl I can't remember her name oh shoot I don't Whatever her name is, Mid- Millie Shapiro from Hereditary, or no, 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 from Midsummer. Oh, from Midsummer. I'm not sure. Midsummer. I'm not sure. Anyway, she's not a bad guy. Um, so I'm not saying, it, but in the end, she gets a little distorted, and the cult ends up winning, and they kill all of the Americans who came out and oh, sacrificed them. Okay. And, um, so. Yeah, no, bad guy definitely wins there. Great movie. Mm -hmm. What's your number four? My number four is Basic Instinct. Um, Catherine Trammell, her character, where we think she murders people during the course of that movie, her ex-boyfriend and somebody else, and writes novels about these murders. And in the end, she doesn't go to jail. She gets the guy, and she wins in the end. So, Basic Instinct. That's a good one. Number four. Number three for you, Mitch. Number three is another one of my favorites. Um, Cabin in the Woods. Oh, yeah. I love the Cabin in the Woods, and part of the reason I love it is because of the ending. There's no good resolution. The the gods, the gods they're trying to sacrifice mm-hmm. things to come back to destroy the world. Yeah. And they just kind of leave it at that. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, it's a dark <laughs> ending. Um so yeah, Cabin in the Woods is my number three. What do you That's got? Good. Three? You got one. I have one coming up here that we've already talked about in a podcast too. My number three, by the way, is Gone Girl. Duh. The first time I watched that, I I was so dead set that it was a stupid movie and a stupid story. Watched it a couple more times. Watched it with Finley actually once, and was like, "This is pretty good. This is pretty good storytelling." I do like David Fincher. I hate that movie. <laughs> You just said Basic Instinct, and my brain went, maybe I should add Gone Girl to, to mine. Why do you hate um, You hate it because oh, of wait, her? Am I thinking correctly? Yeah, wait, no, no, think Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck, yeah, Rosamund Pike. Yeah, wins in the end. Yes, Amy. Amy. Frames him. Oh, yeah, she's horrible. The end of that movie. And she gets what she wants she gets at what the she end. Wants. I can tell you that's the most angry I've ever been at the end of a movie of like you can't in this here. Yes, no, you can't do that. That, is that so might have been that sh- maybe should be number one because we hate her. We, we both hate her, hate her so and she much. won at and the she end. Wins. She yeah, she gets exactly what she wants mm-hmm. after this just psych- psychotic tirade. She oh my on. gosh! And what she does to uh, oh. Barney. From- <laughs> <laughs> He'll always be Barney He'll to be me. Barney. Even though I didn't watch that show religiously. Yeah, no, but... he is Barney. <laughs> yeah, for sure. How about number two? Number two for me is uh, another one we've already talked about. I didn't okay. even realize I was picking movies that we've hit on this podcast. 
Saw. Saw, nice. Saw. Saw I knew you were going to pick that one, yeah, too. Yeah, I had to. It's, I love the movie, and also, I mean, it. when it came out, it was kind of uncommon. I shouldn't say it's uncommon. Movies have always ended with bad guys winning. But, like, the ending of it was just so crazy of, like, the bad guy you thought was the bad guy the whole movie actually right. wasn't the bad guy, mm-hmm. and he stands up from the pile of, or the puddle oh, of yeah. blood and walks out. Yep. So, Saw is my number two with Good bad guy choice. Wins. What do you got for number two? Number two, the original Bad News Bears. I have that on my <laughs> list of possibilities. Yep, yeah. because I, I'm a sucker for sports movies. That's one of my favorite sports movies. Mm-hmm. And they get close at the end. You think they're going to win and beat the Yankees, but no, they get tagged <laughs> out at home. And then Buttermaker hands them all a beer. They go out there. They get their little three-inch trophy. The Yankees get their six-foot-tall one. And Lupus throws them at, throws it at them and says, wait till next year. <laughs> That's a good thing. I love that one. That's a good thing. Bad News Bears. Number one. Number one, I went with shock value. Um, I shouldn't say shock value because it wasn't even that shocking. But personally in my life, because I was in love with these movies... For it to come to this, I was like, whoa, what? I picked Avengers Infinity War um, because you get the snap at the end. And for me, I've been a Marvel fan my whole life. And to see that happen and some of your favorite characters that I've been watching for like 12 years, and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're gone. Yeah. No, don't get me wrong. Being not completely dumb, you're like, okay, they're going to find a way to bring most of them back. <laughs> but still, in the moment in the theaters, you're like, what? Yeah. And yeah. Thanos wins, and the one that, or wins in the end of that one, that was really cool to me, yeah. and a yeah. really frustrating end because you're like, now I just need to see the next one. Not surprising that you picked that one. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's, it's on par. What and it's got? it's funny that you picked Saw for your number two because my number one is the movie that we did against that <laughs> last season seven seven where John Doe <laughs> wins in the end. Seven was my number six pick that got beat out by Rudy. Yeah, he gets. <laughs> He gets everything that he wants at the end of that movie. He, does. he gets exactly yeah. without giving anything. Well, we spoil everything anyway. We so. do, but also that's a cool pick because he yeah. gets everything he wants in a way that doesn't seem like it. Yes, like he dies. Uh huh. But that's what he. Wanted. But that's what he wanted. Yeah. Yes, he wanted uh, Brad Pitt's character to yes. shoot him and. So that was a fun episode yep. in those two movies. Nice. Yep, yep. This was a good one. I was yeah. excited to talk about these two. Yes, you were. Uh, <laughs> as I was harassing you all the time for us to sit down and do this one. Absolutely. So, hey, uh, make sure you share the word about real education. Make sure you tell people, subscribe on whatever podcasting app you listen to us on. You 10 people out there who are loyal <laughs> listeners. <laughs> We love you we're and gonna, appreciate yes, you. Yes, we do it for you, guys. for you guys. Yes. So we're thinking of, I think we've got a decision for our I next so. one. So I think we're going to do the uh, rock mockumentaries of This is Spinal Tap and... Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping. I'm looking forward to that That'll one be because I've seen them both. I don't think you've seen <laughs> Spinal Tap. I have seen Spinal Tap. Um, Spinal Tap is a total... Just trope after trope on like 70s and 80s hard rock heavy metal bands. So it's it's pretty funny. Love it. So, hey, thanks for listening, everybody. Good night.